0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. And, of course, you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, I have to say a very good morning to Virginia Haywood, guide from the Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne. Hi, Virginia.
2: Good morning, Pam. And it's lovely being in autumn, I have to say, even if we haven't had the rain. It's so much milder. I always think autumn is the best time in Melbourne. It's beautiful. I love it. It's yes. very beautiful, isn't
1: it? It is. It's mm. glorious, and I mean we're getting gorgeous sunny days, but nice cool nights, and it's just it's just wonderful.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: And you can actually catch up on the garden a bit. Uh, and also, because the nights are cooler, even though there hasn't been rain, you get up in the morning and there's water on the leaves because it's you know there's dew, which is such a such a pleasure. Absolutely. Yes. So. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the next couple of months mm. cracking in. Absolutely. And, of course, it's the perfect time for planting because the soil's still warm. warm yes, and I've, I've got an open garden coming up in October, so... It'll mean working in winter. Yes. Working. <laughs> <laughs> it never stops with you Hate to tell you that. Well, that's <laughs> what's so good about doing an open garden, isn't it? It does make you actually
4: do get on all top of it and <laughs> do all
2: the garden instead of those, Oh, I'll ignore that bit over there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we also have to say a very good morning to Sue Stevens, who's head
1: propagator out at Bushland Flora Nursery. Good morning,
5: Sue. Good morning, Pam and the audience out there. It is wonderful. Um, especially with the daylight savings change now Time to get out in the garden before you go to work And um, even after work it's not that hot getting out And you can get the watering done Whereas before I was finding you had to wait till later To get the water on your garden Yes, yeah, yes. The other thing interesting too has been lovely Is seeing actually the um, I don't know if people have noticed But the colour of your roses and your salvias Seems to be more brighter In this light, too. You end up with better flowers in autumn than you do over summer. Mm. Yeah, it's a great time. It It really
1: is. Yep. Okay. Um, Well, I'm going to get straight into some community announcements because there are quite a few to get through today. Things are still happening out there. In fact, it's the perfect time for visiting gardens or going to all sorts of garden events. Um, First up, a reminder that uh, today is the second day of the St. Earth Apple Festival. Uh now uh this is running through um from let me see, do I have a time? Uh I should have. I'm presuming ten through till about uh four thirty. It certainly starts at, at ten. Uh and I'd say running through until uh four uh four thirty, let's say. Okay, but uh there's a whole series of mini workshops taking place today out at uh St Earth. Uh, things covering soil improvement, companion planting for apples and pears, garlic, espalier apple tree pruning, perennial combinations, perennial vegetables, selecting trees for your orchard, uh, pests and diseases, uh, etc. On it goes and uh, there'll be garden tours running today at 11am and 3pm and there'll also be children's activities from 11am through to 3 uh, as well today. Now, um, the entry, uh, if you're a Diggers Club member, is free, and also under-16s are free. If you're a visitor, $10 for that entry. Uh, if you'd like more information, you can phone seven nine three seven. That's 59847937. And all of that, of course, is up at Blackwood. Now, uh, also, um, I did mention, I have mentioned for the last two weeks, but there are three Kinton Gardens open this weekend, so uh, they will, of course, be open today. Those three gardens are Brocklebank, which is at 12 Brocklebank Drive in Kinton, Scotsman's Hill, Which is at lot 479 Wedge Street in Kyneton and the Wedgewoods at 88 Wedge Street in Kyneton. They're also open 10 to 4.30. $8 per garden or $20 for three gardens. Children under 18 free. Students, $5 per garden. There will be refreshments available at Scotsman's Hill. And uh, those three gardens are all within walking distance of each other. So if you're wanting a, a lovely day out in Kyneton, um, it's a nice drive up to there from Melbourne. And as I say, those three gardens are all open today and well within walking distance. Uh, now, let me see. Also on today, um, we have... Uh, the, uh, firstly coming up next weekend, I should say, is, um, the Kilmore Art Expo and Silky's Rose Farm open days. So, uh, the venue is at Kilmore. Uh, this is, uh, an art and roses tour. The cost is actually free. I don't know how they've managed that. Um, the tour includes entry, uh, catalogue, and gallery guide at Kilmore Art Expo. Uh, there's entry and gardening demonstrations at Silky's Rose Farm in Clonbanane. There's a tour of beautiful open gardens in Kilmore. Light lunch is available at Kilmore Art Expo Cafe, which uh, approximate cost of about twelve dollars. If you'd like more information, you can phone Diana. On five seven eight seven double one two three, or email info at rosesalesonline.com.au. Now, also uh, next weekend um, is the Victorian Native Bonsai Club Exhibition. The venue for this one is Domain House, which is in Dallas Brooks Drive at Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne. Times are nine till four on both days. Entry, adults $5, children under 15 free. Now, this is featuring Australian native bonsais and pre-bonsai stock for sale, as well as bonsai-related items. Um, if you'd like more information on that one, you can contact Sec native Club. that's short for secretary, obviously, Club at gmail.com. Uh, now, coming up also next Saturday, the 14th, there is a Native Plant Propagation Workshop taking place at Friends of Burnley Gardens, 10.30 till 11.30. The cost is $20, which includes morning tea. Participants will be taught by members of the Friends Plant Propagation Group how to propagate a range of plants, and you take your work home with you. Now, running On that same day is a plant sale in conjunction, which will run 10.30 till 12.00. So if people are booked into the workshop, there's still time for them to participate in that plant sale afterwards. They'll have a selection from a range of native, exotic and produce plants. The location is outside the Student Union building. Plenty of parking in Yarra Boulevard there. Payments by cash only for that plant sale, though. And uh, bookings are essential for the workshop. Uh, There's a limit to 20 participants. If you want to book, you go to the Friends website, which is uh, www.fobg.org.au. I can give you a phone number for the Friends group as well, which is 90356861. Now, of course, uh, next weekend is a big weekend up in Sylvan, and this is the Gardening and Plant Expo at uh, Tesalars. Now, uh, Tesalars is at 357 Monbulk Road in Sylvan. This is running from 10 to 5 on both days. There is um, a big timetable of free talks and demonstrations taking place uh, starting from, uh, well on the Saturday starting from 11, running right through until, um, after 2 o'clock. On the Sunday starting at 10.30 and again running through, uh, the last one is at 2 o'clock and there'll be an amazing, um, list of exhibitors and uh, people with stalls selling a huge range of plants, all types of plants, everything you could possibly think of. Now, you go up to that regularly, Virginia, I do don't you?
2: I was there the other day and was completely blown away by the planting in the paddocks. It is, it, it, it's just miles of, of beautiful flowers. It's extraordinary. It's so lovely to have a, a walk around it. So, as well as all the wonderful stalls, and of course, Stephen and the talks, they've just done great big huge swathes of planting of salvias and marigolds, and it's just lovely. Now, this is the first time they've tried this. It's the first time I've seen them plant out whole paddocks for the flowers, and it is real. And I sent, I had four children under four recently at my place. Oh. (laughs) Which was. A challenge. challenging <laughs> and i sent them off to Teslas because over easter they were doing children's things and they came back and said it's the best thing they've ever been to they oh, really? adored it they said oh, it was abs- and they'd been to the chocolatier which is another one of the things we do in the Yarrow valley which is incredibly busy there's just thousands and thousands of people there and they've planted out masses of fruit trees and things which is oh, quite okay. interesting but it's very um, well, the food's very ordinary, very commercial, just what yes. you'd expect. It's, yep. And, and it's, it's not as... And they were so stunned by what they got at Teslas, by comparison. Having spent rather a lot of time with four under four, I didn't go with them. <laughs> Fair But enough. it was a time to get into the garden. <laughs> yes. But I am really looking forward to going next weekend. Because okay. there's also such... Always... There's wholesalers that you don't get to see otherwise. There's the rare pl- antique perennials. I'm sure they'll be there and... You know, there's a number of the rare plant people there. Um, usually Graham and Diana are there.
1: Yes, they're there and Graham's giving some talks.
2: Yes, so you know, it's it's a really it's a really interesting weekend. Mm. Yeah, excellent. They have really good Dutch croquettes there if anyone oh. you've got to
5: try them. <laughs> I go just for the Dutch croquettes. <laughs>
1: I'm sure you go for more than that, so Oh, they're
5: so good. I can remember fronting up to work one Monday with a big ache, and everybody said, what's wrong? And I said, oh, I was really bad. I ate six of them. Oh. <laughs> Every time I go, they say, did you eat the Dutch crickets?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Well, um, that is all happening, as I say, next weekend, so plenty to choose from next weekend. I will go to a couple more announcements that... Um, ...are coming up because, as I said, there's a lot happening around uh, autumn time in Melbourne. It's just a wonderful time for gardeners. Uh, So, as I mentioned last week, um, Encouraging Women in Horticulture is running an autumn coach tour to Gisborne Gardens. Uh, This is taking place on Saturday, the 21st of April... Now, it's an opportunity to look at the work of our female garden designers. They're going to be visiting four Gisborne Gardens, all designed by female garden designers. Some have never been open to the public before. Uh, then there'll be lunch, which is included and that will be at the renowned gardens of Teve Tara in Mount Macedon. And then the tour will finish at Frogmore Gardens and Nursery in Newbury. Now, as I said, it's next uh not next Saturday, it's Saturday week, the twenty-first of April. It's departing at eight thirty at Federation Square, returning at five fifteen. Now costs: if you're a member of encouraging women in horticulture, $85; non-members, $120; student members of the of the group, $80; and student non-members, $100. Now, um, to book, uh, the easiest thing is to go to their website, and you can find out all about the uh, the tour, but you can also book for that. Um, now the the website is ewha.com.au. dot com dot That's to have a look at the uh, the full program and then to book you email at events at ewha.com.au. So booking is events at ewha. And that's all taking place Saturday week on the 21st of April and should be a great day.
2: I think that sounds really interesting. I think
1: it it sounds great, actually.
2: Because Frogmore at this time of year is absolutely divine. Mm. It's a really beautiful Mm. garden. And they have, again, they have really unusual plants which is always a lot of fun. Last time I went to Frogmore, I bumped into all the people from Ripon Lee. Okay. They were having an outing. Oh, right. A buying outing. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're seeing four other gardens as well, plus Teve Tara and lunch included. Mm. So um, an excellent day, I think. And, of course, uh, the 21st of April and the 22nd, so uh, in two weeks' time, both Saturday and Sunday, will be the Fernie Creek Hort Society um, Autumn Show. Now, they're located at 100 Hilton Road in Sassafras. On the Saturday, it's running from 12 noon through till 4. On the Sunday, it's running from 10 through till 4. Um, now, uh, let me see. Entry is $5. Under-14s are free. And it's going to be featuring hydrangeas, autumn foliage, proteas, um, autumn flowering bulbs... And um, th- there's going to be some officially judged fantastic flower displays. So that'll be great. There'll be guided garden walks as well. There's free on-site uh, parking. If you'd like more inquiries, you can phone So that's,
2: See, that's another really beautiful garden. It's lovely it to find um, a way of buying plants while you look at a beautiful garden. Absolutely.
1: Because and often you see those same plants growing in situ mm. and you can see just, just what they're like, how tall they get, you know, what the colour
2: of the blooms. And they've got great. such variety in having all that beautiful section with masses of South African plants, some of which yeah. you've nev- you don't see anywhere else. Also the
5: tilopias the beautiful, yes. uh, all the different coloured uh, yes, worritas, if people don't know tilopias, yeah. um, in the gardens are absolutely stunning. Mm. Yeah.
2: And then they've got, that really beautiful wooded area with, all, with a whole woodland garden yeah. underneath it. Yes. It's, it's
5: Actually, a, it's we saw some lovely bulbs. Were they rain lilies or some sort of beautiful um, little flower?
2: Yes. Yeah, yes, there were some beautiful bulbs last time we went. Yes, So it's a, it's a really, I find it's definitely worth a good walk around mm. at Ferny Creek.
1: Absolutely. It's fabulous. Yes, mm. wonderful. Okay, if people do happen to be up in the um, Dandenong area, I mentioned last week um, Cam Nucky, who uh, listens to this program, will be having um, an exhibition of hand-coloured lino cuts and silk screens with a horticultural uh, uh, theme running to them. And they'll be on display at Seasons Restaurant, which, of course, is in the Cloud Hill Gardens at 89 alinda Monbulk Road in Alinda. So uh, that's something else you could add
2: into a trip up to uh, the Dandenongs. And, of course, if you go to Cloud Hill, then you can nip down to Craig's uh, lovely, lovely um nursery nursery and garden because Mm. he's got some really wonderful plants for sale there. Of course, he does most of them himself. You get unusual things again. Mm. Absolutely. So that's at
1: Gentiana
2: Nursery, yes, Mm. which is in the,
1: um, again, that's in Olinda, Monbulk Road Road. in
5: Olinda. Yeah, so it's just down the road from... uh, from uh, Cloud Hill, it's actually really good going to see Craig too because the things that he sells you don't find at Teslas or Mifkas or really any of those places. Mm. Maybe Stephen would have them, mm. but. Uh, you need to go there with money because it's very hard to choose what you're going to buy there. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And he's also got a lovely garden and mm. bonsais mm. there to look. Yeah, fantastic. There's just one more
1: that I um, I should mention at the moment, and this is one for the diaries. It's coming up on Sunday the 29th of April. Now, this is a Habitat Gardening Workshop. It's being run by Cranburn of Friends uh of the Royal Botanic Gardens there Victoria and um, it's a workshop on um, on habitat gardening. Uh now it's it's uh the idea is to explore the special relationship between plants and animals of all kinds that can help make your garden really come alive. Uh, and it's going to take place at the Australian Garden Auditorium at Cranbourne Gardens 9.30 through till 4 so it's a full day uh, workshop cost for members of the friends group is $60 for non-members $75 students $30 um, now it's going to be uh, this, uh, several presenters um, talking about all sorts of things but uh, Keynote speaker is going to be our own A.B. Bishop because um, she has just completed writing a book about habitat gardening and so she'll be uh, talking all about that. Uh, She'll also be um, be, uh, (coughs) interviewing um, uh, Pam Yarra uh, and... uh, uh, As well as that, there are some other speakers. There'll be Bronnie Swartz, who's a horticulturalist at the Cranbourne Gardens, and she's got a deep interest and love of insects, and she'll be um, talking about how we can cater for these important but often maligned, small and minute animals. Emmeline Bowman is a landscape designer And she loves working with water and she'll be exploring ways that we can retain water on our properties as well as create soaks and swales in the gardens for wildlife. Our good friend Roger Elliott is um, going to be giving a couple of talks as well Um, One will be talking about uh, habitat gardens for lizards and the other one creating habitat in small spaces. Lunch will be provided as well. And uh, to conclude the day, there'll be a visit to the Whisper Garden, which is adjacent to the Cranbourne Botanic Garden. So um, so, uh, there's a lot going on for that day as well. Now, as I mentioned, bookings are essential. To book, you go to uh, their website, which is www.rbgfriendscranbourne.org.au and under recent news heading on the home page, you'll be able to uh, get a booking form for that one, but that should be um, a really excellent day out. Okay, well, it's more than time we opened up our talkback lines for our listeners. If you'd like to join us this morning... Do give us a call. We have uh, Virginia Haywood in the studio, who, as I mentioned, is a guide at Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne. We also have Sue Stevens, who's head propagator of Bushland Flora Nursery. So if you'd like to have a chat about how to propagate a plant or anything to do with Australian natives and uh, their growing conditions and needs, that number is 94190155 to speak to the team on air. Or if you'd like to speak to Carol on the outside line, that number is 94198377. Sue, we've got a plethora of plants here of all sorts. Let's start with a couple of plants and then we'll go on to uh, something else I know we've been talking about off air. Oh,
5: where do I start?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you start with the plants straight in front of me because they're so gorgeous.
5: Yeah, I've um, brought in... Quite a few, and actually what we've got in here is probably about a third of what I picked out the garden to talk about. Goodness um, me. It's a beautiful time um, of the year in my garden at the moment because it's. Uh, I have a mix of Australian natives and um, a lot of salvias. Um, the salvia that I've got at the moment is called salvia azure, and um, if you don't have it, you need to get it. It is an absolutely beautiful blue um, Almost cornflower blue, um, would you say, Pam?
1: Absolutely, yeah. and and on a beautiful long flower spike too. It is,
5: and it's like a silvery grey, so it's a, it's a really good contrast plant in the garden. It's actually winter dormant, so you really need to know where you put it. That's very important. I've dug it up before. Um oh. but it's very. Uh, it flowers through um, the end of summer and to the end of autumn. Best in full sun, if you get it in a position where it's uh, not got that, it tends to grow uh, forward towards the sunlight, but if you get it into the right position, it's a very beautiful plant, 90 um, centimetres tall and the, the mound just gets bigger each year. Um, but it's a wispy sort of looking plant. So for people, you, it looks really good if you have your compact things and you have a few wispy things in, in the background. Yes. Um, and very, it's hardy uh, to the heat and also uh, light frost if we do get them. But because it goes winter dormant, at least you've got that, that protection, protection yes. with it too. Yes. It's, um, it's really lovely. You don't see it around a lot. I've noticed at the moment in the nurseries, um, they have a section where they sell the smaller perennials in pots. Right. Um, They've been bringing this out in the smaller pots. So if people are looking for that, that's where you'd find that. Or if you're going to Tesla's, um, the Salvia study group, and sometimes even... Merrill Johnson and some of the other people will stock this in a tube. It is well worth having in the gardens. Really lovely.
1: Just spell the name for listeners. A
5: z u r e a a Sorry.
2: Yeah. A z u r e a. Okay. Yeah. I'm really good at pronouncing <laughs> names wrong. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's another it's another um American one. Right. I think it's I think it comes from Texas down into. Uh, that's Central America. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's really... Because so many of our salvias do. There are a lot from Africa as well. Mm.
5: But yeah. All your lachanthus and things are from Mexico. In Mexico, yeah. Something
2: else we were looking up last night was Mexico too. Mm. And um, I think the blue in that is lovely. And it's, a, it's one that really the insects adore. Mm. And anything that insects adore is good.
5: Mm. And it, does, it doesn't wilt in, like, full afternoon sun in my garden. It's well, really, good. really... Hardy, yeah. uh, the leaves. I think probably too, being the silver. You tend uh, to yes, get I that think a that helps. Too. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, lovely. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, let's go to your next one.
5: Um, the other thing, which is my pride and joy in my garden at the moment, and it's another uh, winter dormant uh, perennial, is Halianthus salicifolius or something like that. Um, and this also <coughs> forms a mound and It grows to, depending on how much water you give it, if you give this plant a lot of water over summer, you can end up with the plant being over one metre tall. And all the way up the stem or probably a good half a metre has yellow miniature sunflowers all the way up. So eventually the clump becomes bigger and I've had the clumps in the front garden at the moment would be about... uh, Nearly two foot across, um, each year that mound actually becomes bigger and when it becomes dormant, well just after, when it becomes dormant and it starts to shoot again, I actually take pieces off it mm-hmm. so, and transplant it. If you let the clump get too big, it actually, uh, almost goes back on itself it doesn't perform as well which is what's happened in the back right it only flowers for probably three weeks starts flowering the last week of March and it's probably got another week to go it's in its but, prime but it's, position it's, at the moment
2: it's so spectacular because it's not it? so tall it's so yellow i yeah.
5: remember it
1: really stood out when i came to your garden and that was a couple of years ago but it really stood out it's just it, it, so it, striking
5: it brings people to the to the area and the yellow i've got the azure in that garden with this um plant, gorgeous combination just beautiful mm, together yes yeah Beautiful. But it's actually good because you can use this plant to like where, how gardens evolve and you're trying to get lots of colour because this is dormant over summer. Right. You can have all your other plants and then you, you're coming into your pruning time now for a lot of these plants that are finished. Mm. And then you've got this then coming That's up, filling up the, back the gap. background. Yes, of it. Yeah. wonderful. So it's a great plant to slot into your garden. And
1: give out the name again of that, um, Sue.
5: Halianthus. Salicifolia.
1: Mm, wonderful, mm. fantastic. Okay, we uh, we'll go to our first caller, and uh, we have Michael online. Oh, are you there, Michael? No, we seem to have lost.
2: And what he seems to not want to know, Pam, is the name of our theme music.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, I will give that out anyway, Michael. I presume you uh, may well be listening. Um, it is called The Floral Dance. It's uh, The artist performing it um, on the pan flutes is Georges Zamfer. I'll spell that. G-H-E-O-R-G-H-E. That's Georges Zamfer. Z-A-M-F-I-R. Um, so that's the theme music. I know it is available on um, uh uh, still around, if you can, it's a very traditional uh, tune So, um, yeah, we've been running it, well, ever since the gardening show's been going Which has been <laughs> a
2: long, long time It has been, hasn't but that's,
1: it? But uh, that's always been our theme And, uh, yes. Yeah, so I think it's, uh, it's available anyway, still, um, if people want to look it up
2: Somebody uh, wanted on the outside line wanted to know about the coach tour to Gisborne The contact, Pam Right. It, it has been a very long time this program's been going. It's absolutely extraordinary <laughs> when you think about it. Um, yes, it certainly has. Um,
1: look, basically, uh, they, for the, that tour, they do recommend that you, um, you have a look um, at their website for all the information uh, and also that then you uh, send them an email to book. But um, their website is www.ewha.com.au. Uh, if you wish to book, it's events at ewha.com.au. Um, but I will give out, if I can find it, um, one uh, phone contact if people really need to uh, have a chat about it to someone and this is uh you can phone rosemary on 0419 180 754 0419
2: 180 754 okay that may well have been somebody who's not comfortable going Online, because some of our listeners aren't comfortable going online, so giving a phone number always does help, doesn't
1: it? It certainly does. Mm. Yep, that's right. All right. Um, Sue, let's go to another plant.
5: Um, one of the couriers I have spoken before, that we've actually released, they, we call it the chimes, right? Um, uh, I think there's six of them now, um, couriers that are compact. Uh, most of them are... Pool but this one I've brought in today is called Lime Chimes, um, and it's a glabra seedling, um, quite flat, so when it's actually planted, if you want a larger coverage, the plant probably only grows to about um, 25 to 30 centimetres and flatter. With lemony lime flowers that eventually Fade to white but it's actually A really good plant for landscaping As well if you're looking for Covering an area uh, With a low growing plant But Mm -hmm. for autumn sort of flowering You're looking at probably Four months Of flowers on it It's only just starting now so it's um, Not one of the Earliest flowering um, Corriers out there But it's really quite lovely and in, I've seen it at work in an 8-inch pot And in an 8-inch pot that plant would have probably a 100 flowers on it mm. It's really lovely
2: Some of the la- later couriers have been really quite spectacular, haven't they? Like I've got a lot of Annie's Delight in my garden Because it's one the rabbits leave alone for some reason Yes mm. <laughs> And it's just beautiful because mm. it's such a strong orange mm.
5: Yeah, well the two new ones that we've released So we've got a Ember Chimes and Amber Chimes Are across with that um, but uh, we're getting early flowering. So you've got people that know autumn blaze, it's actually flowers in autumn and your orange glow and then Annie's Delight flowers later. Well, this is these corriers are, are sort of taking on the characteristics of more Annie's Delight with, with that together. But profuse flowering
2: I must try them and see if the rabbits will leave them alone
5: Yeah we haven't put them in yet Have Mm. we? I've got them um, In my garden at the moment When we uh, brought all these These plants out I decided to put A new garden I've dug up all the lawn So anybody who's been to my house Now um, there's (laughs) not much To park on the nature strip (laughs) Um, But I've used it as a, a Nice little garden to Put all the new plants that we've Actually been um, breeding um, because they're subjected to a lot of sun and if we're going to get the frost that's where we get it so right. all the corriers and um, grevilleas and things are there and Virginia saw them yesterday and they're just absolutely stunning really really beautiful and Sue's yeah. Garden
2: is an absolute example of why mixing exotics and natives is just such a sensible thing to do it is so beautiful mm. it is just fabulous at the moment and being on town water, it's survived the summer better than my garden has. Right. Yeah, you don't want my bill, though. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to open it. Like, I have my um water on a water plan, so for people that uh, like to water their garden, it's the best way to do it because if you get the shock and open up the bill at $900, which I've had before, and you think, oh, my goodness, how am I going to... Uh, work it out so if you have a monthly water bill that you know is always the same you don't feel guilty
2: about having to put that water onto your garden Mm. Um, I've spoken to a number of people whose bills this year have been over a thousand dollars yes
5: my last one was 600 which Mm. I didn't think was too bad because I've got sewerage as well Um, but I don't water all of my garden I'm only watering the new plants that right. I put in And mainly because I was very impatient And I decided I'm going to have that as a garden I didn't kill the grass I just put mulch all over the top So it was an absolute nightmare And said I want it planted And off I went So I was, I'm working with soil And now I'm improving it as I go with mulch And, and manures and things right. Down the track right. It is working But it's probably not the way to go Because when you're getting into the hot weather, you haven't got that moisture in your soil to hold up. So you've got to water every two or three days. Um, Even with Australian natives and your exotics, um, they do dry out. And I think that gets the western sun on that part of the garden, on the... Roadside too yeah. Well it's, it's going to be a, a fantastic
1: test for, for the plants that you're growing Yeah uh, well at I the haven't nursery. lost anything yet Which okay. is
5: absolutely fantastic Yep yep yeah. And of
1: course once they're established I'm sure you
5: can ease back the water
1: um, a bit yes. more Yes yeah.
5: One of the plants I actually I didn't bring it in today Because we haven't got it for sale yet um, We've been working with Goudinias And I have brought one in called Little Goody We've called it. So it's a Goudinia ovata, but it's a compact form of it. So for people that know the indigenous that grows in the bush, it gets quite tall and lanky. And this is actually quite compact. But what I've done is I've put it into a part shaded area of the garden. Right. So to see if it'll actually go sideways instead of upwards. And it does. So I've actually got this in underneath the um, native hibiscus misty, which is pale mauve flowers, and planted this about a foot and a half in front of it to get the lemon effect. And it grows in the part shade to... Knee high? Yeah, knee high. Really, really lovely. We've actually got three different Goudinias. They're not out on the market. or a few of them just out on the market now. Uh, one that I absolutely adore is called we 've called it flat out gold and it 's very similar to gold cover mm-hmm. but i 've actually found it to be more hardy and i've got that on on the the um, on that nature strip garden and it doesn't mound up it actually stays totally flat okay. and just keeps spreading out but it's I've planted it in October and it's still flowering it hasn 't stopped flowering. It's Gee, absolutely
1: that's, beautiful. That's useful, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
5: And uh the other one that for people to look out um on the market is called butter hops. Mm-hmm. Um Gudenia is its hop bush, is its um nickname so, Yes, yes. Uh the bright it's a really beautiful yellow, so the Lynette's called that uh butter hops and it's a very compact form and the the leaves are um actually more rounded than the go goudena I haven't planted that yet, but I think the um, specifications on that's probably about 60 centimetres
2: tall. Okay. And, and yeah. Sue, so we planted a, some Goudinia near my tank and it's quite tall and absolutely brilliantly yellow.
5: Oh, it's a lovely, lovely plant. Mm.
2: Yeah. You
5: don't see it a lot for sale in the nurseries either, do no, you?
2: No, you always see it. At Karanga, of course.
5: Yes. Yeah.
2: Uh, but it is. It's a very it's very a,
5: underrated
2: plant. Because it's a I very think. clean yellow.
5: Yes. And, and you've
2: I think a clean yellow in the garden is—it mm. can be really strong. It's mm. really lovely. The other
5: thing I love about it too is the colour of the leaves because you're going into a beautiful lime. That contrast with that lime and yellow yes, exactly. is really, really nice. Yeah. The Croia saligna, Croia saligna as well is a, another plant that looks really nice next to that in the garden because mm. it's actually got the same colour um, flowers and it flowers at the same time mm. um, we've got one called um, star blush which is a large flowered um i've actually brought it in it's only a small little pot at the moment um, but beautiful large almost two-tone pale pink and dark pink flowers and that leaf actually looks really nice in the garden with the uh Goudinias as well. Yes, and yeah. I've
2: planted that corrier underneath my croix. largest uh, eucalypt, which is, oh, God only knows how high. It is huge. Mm. So it's very demanding on the soil, but the yeah. crowia is just in flower for months and is beautiful. And mm. it's a wonderful plant, too, for people
5: that are out in the western plains and uh, where you've got that gritty soil and it also holds uh, the wet in the uh, winter. I've used this up, but my in-laws have actually got a big uh, farm up in North Harcourt and that was one of the first plants I put into the native garden there and that gets really bad frost and things like that and that's one of the plants I haven't lost okay. up there. So it's a really good plant for a tough spot. Yep, that's yep. great. All right. You are listening to the
1: 3CR Gardening Show. Uh, we're running through until 9.15, so we've got another hour to run. Um, if you'd like to give us a call and ask a gardening question this morning, we'd love to hear from you. The number is 9419 to speak to the panel on air. And on air we have Virginia Haywood and Sue Stevens, who's head propagator at Bushland Flora Nursery. So we can talk all things propagation this morning if you're interested. (laughs) Um, Or if you'd like to uh, have a chat to Carol on the outside line, her number is 9419 double seven, Virginia we were talking um uh insects in the garden before we we went to air um and in particular native bees including the blue banded bee and uh we were the first thing Sue you asked me was did I have um uh, a bee house um, an insect house in the garden and I was explaining no I don't but I've got lots of native bees and blue banded bees in the garden and that's because they are making their nests in um i've got very clay soil being eltham in in the banks in just actually in the in in the garden banks and we've been busily watching them coming and going at the moment they're in a very active period at the moment so um so there was no need for an insect house for those, uh, those insects.
5: Yeah, I've got to have a look where they're actually coming from, the mm. blue banded bees, because I ended up buying an insect house and I got Alan to put it up, like, under the eaves, because I thought I'd get more. But then when I was reading, um, like what you've said, that they make them in clay. Yes. Um, but I have heard somebody that was on 3CR talking about them also making nests in tree ferns, hollowing into the, um, the branches and things like the, that.
2: Into the side, the trunk, is it?
5: Into the... the where top, you cut top. Into the top. So right. they were saying to cut them flush and I think the bees uh, drill with their mouth into... That That was the concept, okay. I thought. Yes,
2: because yes, that's how they get into the clay.
5: Yeah. Mm. Now, I was reading the other day too about them that um, they don't always let all the bees back in their nest and they've got really strong mouths and they group together... And hang on to the flowers and go to sleep with their mouths at night which is interesting. <laughs>
1: Bit hard to go and have a look in yes. the pitch
2: black, but yes, Sue and I both bought some um, boxes for insects when we were at Tessellars a while ago, and they've also I have also bought a little bat box from them for the, okay. for, yes. the for the little the, the micro bats which I thought, and really interestingly, I went to the um, the Redwood Forest in Warburton two days ago, which is just absolutely extraordinary. It is absolutely beautiful. Have you ever been there? No, no I haven't. Absolutely oh, a must. Stunning. Yeah. I think they planted it after those very bad bushfires okay. in the 30s. Yes. And they were looking for something else that, might, you know, that wouldn't burn. And so now they're absolutely huge. They're in... Straight lines. So you can stand at a point and every diagonal has got this long, long, long corridor of straight, straight trees. How peculiar. It it is just so beautiful. It's really quite moving. And then, and it's right on the Yarra. So then there's a walk right along and it's the Yarra very high up, Mm. you know, so it's not very wide. It's a very beautiful part of oh, the like I've walked along
1: the Yarra the there mm. in Warburton. I just haven't
2: gone well, in. Well, this is
1: further. It's
2: almost past East Warburton. Okay. So it's a couple of miles further on. Yes. On Cement Creek Road. Right. And the most extraordinary thing of all, the top of the trees, which is, you know, 100, 150 foot up, I mean, they're really huge, mm. is full of bats. Oh. bats. Fruit bats. And so you can hear them all making that noise. Yeah, I mean, right. You just recognise. I remember the noise when they used to be in the Botanic Gardens. That's right. And it was just extraordinary. So I thought that was fabulous. I've
5: never seen bats at my house. Dad You'd, has little...
2: No, um, unless, unless you've little got ones. fruit yeah. trees. Yeah. I oh, okay. No, the little ones aren't going for fruit trees. No, no, They're the little ones.
3: No, but
1: I'm saying mm, the fruit bats, you mm, won't get them unless you've got um, fruit, fruit trees, tree. some sort of... Um, because um, my mother-in-law had a big old fig tree in the back of her garden, and the fruit bats used to come into there. Um, okay. And she was in East Ivanhoe, and they'd all come in after the figs, of course. Mm. But um, but the little micro bats, I've got them. I've okay. got them, as you know. They're wonderful. Yes.
2: Yeah, I, that,
5: that's what I haven't seen any micro bats. Well, I you am, have to
2: you have yeah. to walk around your garden at twilight. That's okay. when they come out. Yeah, they don't come out till the sun's down.
5: What, what trees would they live in? though? Or don't well, see? I'm
1: presuming I'm presuming ours are because we're surrounded by gum trees. I'm presuming okay. ours are in the eucalypts. Yeah. and they are, and they're insect eaters.
5: Okay, but it, Dad's at Hillsville and they they come in underneath the porch and sit there at night time. Yeah, and oh, how lovely, great.
1: Okay, we'll go to our next caller and we have uh, Margaret at Abbotsford. Good morning,
4: Margaret.
6: Good morning. Um, I have a question about um potting up some natives and selecting the right type of pot and perhaps keeping them
5: pot sized. Right. Is that a waste of time or No, it... you can do that with Australian natives. What sort of plants are you looking at having in pots?
6: I wanted something that would flower for a very long time and I was imagining perhaps a small a, a grevillea that would suit being in a pot.
5: Yes, if uh, what size plant are you looking at actually doing in a pot oh, look a meter or yeah, under, yeah. Uh, up to a meter there is a brilliant um greville, yeah, uh called super duper-huh it's got a silvery bronzy green foliage and quite big flowers a bit like uh peaches and cream sort of flower that is um red apricotty it's it's absolutely beautiful and I can tell you that I've seen that like we grow that in an eight inch pot and Mm -hmm. you'd get probably nine months of flowering out of that in a pot it's probably the best and more the most compact grevillea I'd recommend for for something like that
6: and what size pot would I buy it in and put it in and do you have to wait to put it in a big pot or
5: uh, no, not really. You could go from, well, if you're going to get it, it's not available in a tube. It's only available, I think, in a six inch pot and an eight inch pot. And now, you it, could put that straight into a six inch pot directly into the pot size that
2: you want. But a remem- native potting mix. Remember, you're going to have to change your potting mix every year. Because yep. they need that, because the potting mix will lose all its goodness. So the best thing to do really is to change, is to have a number of pots. Um, okay. And, and if you don't want to buy, if you want to have it in a beautiful pot, put it in the black plastic pots going up a size each year, but then put the black plastic pot inside the beautiful pot. The, okay.
5: The uh, this, this plant grows so profusely though, you could actually Put it directly into the pot. With a lot of Australian natives, they're quite slow growing, but this one in particular grows very fast. Like I've put this into the garden and it's performed uh, a lot better than the other ones, so. But I still would have to pull it out each year.
6: Well, you do well. You
2: don't have to pull it completely out, but you've got to give it some new soil. You can scrape all the soil off the yeah. top and put. Yeah, you yeah. can take your half, about. Well, they don't like a third to a half, disturbed.
1: no, of of your soil at the top and replenish that with new
2: potting. potting mix. Yes,
5: and it'll go down, yeah. But Australian native plants don't like their roots being disturbed. If you're going to um, take something out of the ground or a pot, you really mm. need to get every bit of soil as much as you can around the plant that none of the roots are a bit straggly because that you can lose them very easily. Okay. Uh, All right. Would
6: you recommend that that would be better just put directly in the ground then, or would it just keep growing too much? I've only got a small area to work with. Uh,
5: My personal view, what Virginia said, with most of them I'd do, but with this particular plant, I would go straight into a pot. Okay. Because of the rate that it's, it's going to grow.
2: Thank yes. you very much. Now, that super-duper yes. is spelt S-O-O-P-A-D-O-O-P-A. Oh, so I got Gr- that wrongly. Yeah, well, yes. you would, wouldn't you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. If, if you passed grade six English, you would. So that's <laughs> Grevillea super-duper. Yeah.
5: Okay. And I, that might even be available at Bunnings too, that plant, I'm thinking. Bull, we don't actually propagate that plant, but we do sell it at our nursery. We mm. bring it in. I think it's pbr just, um, um, oh, actually, uh, yes, we do. I'm, I'm lying. It's tissue hmm. cultured. Yes. Um, so
6: is there a, a, type, a shape pot that is best for a
2: no. um, Not for, for a, for large a pot? Bill, yeah. no. I think so, the really important thing that I've done when I've got beautiful pots, I've gone and spent some money in a beautiful pot, and it goes in at the top, yeah. and that is such a mistake because yes. then if you do need to get your plant out, the only way of getting it out is either killing the plant or breaking okay. the pot. So, I think the really important thing is to remember to keep it wide at the top and going out, not curving in.
5: Okay. Thank you very much. And also, you don't need as deep when you're growing Australian natives. You're better to go wider in the pot. Wider pot, okay. Than deeper.
6: Thank you very much.
5: Okay.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Bye Bye now. Bye. And uh, next up, we have Elaine out in Burwood. Good
7: morning. Hello, after a very long time. It has been a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I got a Gloriosa lily uh, and planted it last January and I had beautiful flowers and right now their seed pods are bigger than my thumb. you know, three inches long and really round and fat, but very green. Um, do I have to take them off to dry or do I leave them on the bush or what's happening about them?
2: I honestly don't know. I've always um, propagated them by having the... Um, long sausage. Yes, th- exactly, the long sausage things. Yes, my temptation would be to leave them to dry on the plant and then um, and then try potting them up, but I can't say I'm speaking from any actual knowledge.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I mean, they are they are an extraordinary seed head, aren't they? Yes, and yes. And I'm sure you can make the seeds work. Oh, wonderful! I bought this at um, Deakin
7: University. All right. Just down the road from me, and uh, last. Uh, year and uh, I was busy. They told me to plant it in October and I only found the uh, bulb again which is a long thin sausage looking thing uh, and planted it in January. Right. And luckily it blooms so prettily.
0: Oh, beautiful colour.
2: I think also from memory that what you have to do with the seed is soak it in warm water for 24 hours before you replant it before you plant it yes oh. and you want to keep because it's it's a more tropical plant you want to keep that pot fairly warm so maybe have it close to the house on some concrete or something like that mhm all right that's good news but I, I think i would um i would i would wait till it's the, ripened
7: yeah the lilies the yes, the some, new, somebody new... might
2: ring in. We we have at least um, one listener who grows them beautifully. She might ring in and give us some advice. Oh, she might be from Fernie Creek. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one isn't, but I'm sure there'll be somebody from Fernie Creek also who'll See, have 80, very good ideas.
7: I'm eighty-seven now, and I uh, find Fernie Creek a bit far for me to drive. so yes, fair
2: enough.
7: Uh um, gotta stay home a lot. <laughs>
2: Yes, you need somebody to drive you up. What is it? Next weekend? The weekend after? Weekend after. That'd be very nice, wouldn't it, Elaine?
7: Oh, lovely.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, good luck, and and ring us back. The other thing I think, if when you do get the seeds, soak them for 24 hours, Mm -hmm. and make sure, maybe even you know, put in the pot in a plastic bag so that you keep that moisture, because it's it's that sort of plant. You know, it's not a it won't want to dry out and it won't want to get too cold. Mm-hmm. So yeah. think about a nice warm spot where the pot can sit while it's... Oh, I could find that, I think. Excellent. It sounds, it sounds exciting. Ring us back and let us know how it goes. Oh. And keep listening in case one of our listeners who knows more than me rings in.
7: Oh, that's great. All right, then. Okay. Hey, Thank you. And Fernie Creek's in a fortnight.
2: That's right. Yes, 21st, yes. Thank you.
7: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That number again, if
1: you'd like to join us this morning, uh, we're running through until 9.15. We'd love to hear from you. We have Virginia Haywood and Sue Stevens in the studio this morning, so talking all things Australian native and propagating. Uh, The number is 94190155, or to speak to Carol on the outside line, nine
2: four one nine eight three double seven sue's had a call on the outside i mean carol's had a call on the outside line and somebody who's got a philadelphus It's an old plant and it's variegated and it's turning green um, my instinct with that is that if you don't cut off bits of a plant that revert back to one color it will you lose it, your variegation you'll lose the variegation yes This plant is old, it's five foot high, and she took some cuttings and they've also come out green, but of course, unless she was very sure the cutting was solidly variegated. She's she's taken cutting from one of the green... One of the bits that's already turning green. Yes. It can be um, a bit of a losing battle, especially on a big old plant like that because you will find that plants will tend to revert to the green and it's very hard to stop it if it's in the size of a tree. Mm-hmm. But I would try cuttings again on the and make sure that you get the most variegated bit of the plant to take cuttings from. And good luck. Yes. Okay. All right. As I mentioned, that number to join us,
1: 94190155, or to speak to Carol on the outside line, Nine four one nine eight three double seven. So let's go to another plant now.
5: Oh, sorry. Um, I'm going to talk about another salvia at the moment. Beautiful um, orange plant called Confortaflora. Um, it's actually a shrubby perennial, one point five meters by one point five. Beautiful velvety orange red. Um spikes of flowers so the flower spike would be probably about eight inches tall um it's
2: it's i i absolutely adore this plant and sue grows it much better than i do and i think the reason is i saw it growing in cityhurst absolutely beautifully and it was um I think any plant that grows well in Sissinghurst is going to have trouble in my garden because I'm on top of the hill and I face north and west. Yes. And I think what happens is it needs, and quite a lot of these plants, need to keep their roots coolish and moistish.
5: Yeah, I've tried too. This is the first time I've succeeded for trying for probably about eight years to grow this plant. And I've actually got it in part shade and I dug a huge hole and filled it with um, Compost, uh, horse manure, and planted the plant down deeply. Meg's always said to us to Meg Bentley, who's the salvia, has the, the, salvia, the salvia queen. Salvia <laughs> queen said to plant a lot of these plants deeply, and um, I think too what Jin was saying about having the roots cooler has made all the difference. And um, even on the hot days, I'm not getting that wilt. Because
2: mine succeeds, but it's it's I've got this long trunk almost with nothing on it so i have to plant all sorts of things in front of it because it looks so ugly right i saw it in the geelong botanic gardens which is a beautiful place to visit people if you haven't been there and i saw one in the geelong and it must have been oh, there must have been quite a few plants there it was five foot wide and four or five foot mm. high
5: yeah so mine's only fairly new so i haven't got that trunk yet mm. um when you prune them at, you take off a third to a half of it the only thing i 've got two of them in my garden, but because of the frost last year, the one that I had that where the garden gets a bit of the frost, it actually nipped that it will nip the top in a bad frost, right, yeah, well, you can see
1: that it's going to be prone to heat and frost because it's got a very large fleshy leaf
5: that's hasn't it? right you wouldn't picture like putting a large leaf salvia like that into
2: well, stupid here planted at west facing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Learn. That's what gardening's about. But the other thing I should say is you 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 said it's an orange, but it's a very deep, deep orange, isn't it? It's almost
5: a cinnamony sort of it is. orange, red, brown. Because the calyxes are the, darker, the, the
1: the, And the stem's darker behind it. That so, is. The,
5: the the contrast of yeah. that stem is what I love. The first time I saw that in Virginia's garden, it was, oh, I have to have it. And I don't know how many times I tried it. Cuttings right. And I'd lose it and buried and whatever, so I've, I've got some spare ones going at the moment. It's it's beautiful. Yes, for Virginia. Plants, <laughs>
1: plants never stay spare uh, for long. My, so. my nurseries
5: go, I said I'm not going to prop, prop it home anymore. I do it all day at work. <laughs> I think I had one year that I didn't do very much, and now I'm, I'm at it again because I thought, well, a lot of the plants you have in your garden you can't always get. Yes. Um, and so also, I've got a backup plan now.
2: And okay. also, Sue, I've just pulled all those lavenders. I had a whole um, one of my paths, lavenders on both sides. Well, they're yep. just they're they're leggy, they're ugly, and they, it's and I have been pruning them. I mean, they yep. just have a life. They a, do. They do. They're five I years agree old. With that. They've got to go. It's yep. actually
5: really good if you've got a large selection of um, plants like that in your garden. I've I've just got a um, a tray, a seed a seed tray. Go out and get some propagation mix and a bit of hormone. Um, some little tags. And if you do two or three little cuttings, um, it's, it's actually good to have them as a backup too, because plants do have a life in the garden. You can, you can keep them, but with a lot of woody perennials, they do tend to lose their shape. And, um, because I do propagate at home quite often, I'll say, well, I've, I've had enough. I'm just going to do a new one for there. And it's great to be able to have access to that. Um, salvias are very, not all of them, but most salvias are quite easy to grow. And you probably still got, I propagate at home probably till about um, the end of April, mm-hmm. and then I don't do anything until um, sort of springtime. Unless you're doing winter flowering salvias, you can actually propagate those quite successfully. Um, through the winter. Right. And you don't need a propagation mix for that. You can do that directly into soil, even into the pot that you want it into. Yeah. They, they strike a lot easier. yep, yep. So, and what's the name of that salvia again? It's called Conferta It comes from Brazil, but it flowers in um, summer and autumn, so you're getting good you're flowering getting, time yes, out of it. That's good. I suppose with most salvias, the heat wave series, you're actually getting Almost nine months of flowering, mm. and the new ones you've just bought for where you pulled the lavenders, they're so cool. Okay? Yes. Yeah. yeah, PGA. You get quite mm. a lot of uh, flowering time with those, too. Right.
2: Yeah, and P- I've just got one here which PGA have just put out called Flash. They've brought out two new ones, and, and, and the, the, when you're looking at your um, salvias, you will see in the nursery some of them have got labels that say PGA. And they they are breeding salvias, and they breed some very, very nice new ones. They do, and they're they? are more compact. They've got good flowers. They're a little bit more expensive, but they're better plants. They mm.
5: are. They, they are. And Flash is actually, uh, the two that they've brought out, they've brought out Flash and Inferno, and Inferno is a... a a bright red, it's it's very much like um, Hot Lips, but it's okay. straight red. Yep. And this other new one is uh, Flash. And it's a, it's not white, it's actually a lemony white, mm. and they look beautiful
2: together. Mm. So um, they, they, good they launched them at Mythicus. Yes. So that was fun. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
1: Excellent. Okay, we have a couple more callers to get through. First up, we have uh, Anna in North Carlton. Good morning, Anna.
8: Oh, good morning, ladies. I just wanted to ask you about eco-oil. I was going to buy the, buy a bottle the other day for my indoor plant, and it's referring to itself as um, insecticide. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the back of the bottle, it only talks about uh, plants outside, like veggies and so on, and I was a bit reluctant, so I didn't buy it. Would you use eco-oil inside on your indoor plant?
5: You can. Um, I okay. use eco-oil actually... We've switched over to a lot of the echo products at work. And um, I can, well, I I would vouch that it's safe. I actually dunk my cuttings into echo oil to kill any pests that I can't visibly oh. see on it. So the okay. plant is actually taking up quite a lot of um, echo oil. You don't use much, though. So it's only five, um, if you buy the bottle and you're going to decant it, Five mules of echo oil to one liter of water is all you need.
8: Oh, yes, I see. No, I'm going to buy spray.
5: Yeah. So, That's what were what you trying to kill, though?
8: Um, oh, I've just got some white spots on on an indoor on on. on I'm not sure what the name of this plant is. Was given to me years ago, and it's now grown into a bloody tree. Okay. <laughs> it's not huge. Oh, it has huge leaves, and it has started started getting um, uh, these little white spots everywhere. It's like fungus of some kind. And I Ooh. tried washing it down with olive oil.
5: Yeah.
8: And I don't think it... I, I, it seems to work, sort of, but I'm not sure. Anyway, so
5: I thought I'd get I don't know I'll about eco oil as a
8: fungicide, though. Eco oh, oil's
5: more for um, pests and, and insects. I, I use see. it on oh. grevilleas for mites and things. So I don't. I
8: see. Think. Well, maybe it is mites. I don't know because there's just like little white spots.
2: Why don't you take oh, a leaf off when you go back to buy it and ask yes. the people at the nursery?
8: Oh, I could do that, yes. Yeah.
5: The, the other thing that's really plants. good for um, when you've got fungal diseases and things on your plants, the way to knock that out is to change the pH of the actual leaf surface. Um, even, um, oh, what's that, flowers, chamomile flowers. If you boil up, you can get chamomile flowers in health food shop and oh, you yes. put your chamomile flowers into water, yes. boiling hot water, and you steep um the the chamomile flowers and strain it and put that into a spray bottle. If yes. you spray the surface of the uh, leaves of your plants, it actually changes the pH and it can knock out um, fungal issues and fungal oh, spores. Oh, what an
8: excellent
5: idea. Yeah. The other thing you can use for things like that too is milk.
2: I was just yeah. going to say that. I was
5: going to do yeah. <laughs> Of course, course. Think alike. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how these fungicides work is they're actually changing the pH of the uh, surface of the
2: leaves. Oh, and, and the oh mil-
8: sounds fantastic. The um, milk um, you
2: want, one to ten. Ah,
8: so one, one, to one to bit ten. of
2: milk to ten bits of water.
8: Ah, okay. That's fantastic. Oh, thank you very much for your help. Thank Good you. I really luck. love your program. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank okay. you. Bye.
1: Right, next up we have uh, Ruth, who's in Bentley East. Good
4: morning, Ruth. Good morning, everyone. Um, I wonder, please, if I could ask Sue. um, I'm trying to find... I've got a few couriers, and I do think they're lovely, but I want some um, suggestions for orange, a good orange one. Well, our two new ones, and they should be
5: available. We're actually supplying them to Bunnings. All right. Um, I'm not sure if they're in the Bunnings store because I do the propagation. So you would probably have to ring up and check. But mm-hmm. our two new ones are called Ember, E M B E R Chimes, and Amber Chimes. Oh, and okay. They're two different coloured oranges. Yeah, um, And they're really beautiful. Right. The Annie's Delight that Virginia is talking about is a beautiful one too. It's taller mm-hmm. and it's later flowering. Um, oh, the, okay. em- the ember and the amber are autumn and yep. uh, Annie's Delight flowers more
2: winter, spring. Oh,
4: right,
2: right. So it's always a good idea to com- combine them because the colours are quite... Similar. Yeah. So Mm. if you buy, there's about four or five different couriers that are in the orange range now. And if you buy a group of them, they'll extend your flowering.
5: Yeah, different habitats. I actually love, um, one of my favourites is uh, Remarkable Rocks. And there's quite a few different orange couriers that come from that region. But the only place to purchase those is at Karanga. And it's uh, a, no, really the, the oranges that come from those. I've seen them in, um, there's a gentleman, Bob O'Neill, that had Catandra Gardens, and he's now got um, an acre out at Warren. And when mm-hmm. I went last time, it was courier season, and he had quite a few different forms of um, different orange couriers that came from remarkable rocks, and they're just really different, really beautiful oranges. Oh, okay the way to go for those too. Yeah. Well
4: and would they would the colours crash I've got um peaches and green and gravelia would that sort of fit in there. absolutely yes, definitely. Yeah. Yep. yep okay. Lovely. Then my second question and I don't know if this is if you can help me at all, I've got um I've got a chef's hat courier yep. in the garden and that's been in for nearly a year now. I bought another one a few days ago um, and as I was taking it out of the pot I was told that they'd be right to pot up because I want to put it in a specific place. I was taking it out and the whole root ball just about fell away Aww. and I'm left with this little straggle something or other. I sort of tried to gather it all in together and put it gently into um, the pot again. It should be okay.
5: It It should be okay. And I'd actually just give it a bit of a drink with some um, sea salt to perk it up. I've I've
4: done that. I looked at it this morning and it... But leave it in the pot for a while, I
2: think. I think it would be a good idea to leave it in the pot for a while because the potting mix will be easier for it to develop new roots than... Yeah, yeah,
5: and if if you can, I know this sounds funny, but if you put that, after about a week, if you put the, that pot into yeah. the sun, because the black pots actually heat up, make sure yeah. you've got the moisture, it, those roots will take off more if the plant's in the sun, because the heat oh, is okay. going to warm the um black pot up.
4: Oh, I'll yeah. do that, I'll do that, I'll go and shift it and...
5: Mm, and, well, just, and,
4: keep, and, and
2: be generous with the seaweed I
5: don't, f- And I don't find that they're not that temperamental to root disturbance The corriers, they should be fine Oh,
2: okay then Yeah,
4: good um, luck roots. Uh, oh, thank you <laughs> um, And are they easy to take cuttings from? I've got several in the garden
5: Chef's hat is one of the hardest I find to strike um, Oh, okay If you're going to do it, you need to do it from uh After it's flowered So you need to do it on new growth That's hardened off oh, right, um, right. And not too hard with that The stems become woody quite quickly on that plant So yeah, I've um, noticed that. if you take your If you're going to take a branch off it Take your 12 inches And you get the top little leaves Hold them in your hand And where it bends You cut that off Mm. So you don't want to use anything that's too bendy on the top where the leaves are. And then oh, right. you can take probably the next two cuttings underneath it. So if you have a cutting that's about three inches long yep. and the cutting underneath is about a quarter of an inch underneath the node yeah,
4: and then yes, scrape
5: sorry. with uh, the chef's hat coriander. They've got quite woody stems, so just be careful. But you need to cut across... Scrape across the top of that node, and it, it it will work with or without rooting hormone. If you use oh. too much hormone on um, that, that actual corrier, it can bomb that plant out. Yeah, so well, I, I don't use very much. I only use like a powder one on yeah. it.
2: Or even none.
5: Yeah. Um, without having heat beds, you, you, you would, like at this time of the year, I couldn't imagine it would strike up until... You wouldn't be seeing anything until probably the middle of springtime.
4: Oh, yeah, no, they do need uh, bottom heat, but especially that one. The one in the garden is just starting to flower now. Yeah, and, um, yeah.
2: yeah, it is well, a lovely plant, isn't it?
5: Yeah, oh, all before well, flowering. Like I'm, I've started yeah. propagating. Usually, about um, I like just after Christmas, I get the best results with um, couriers. January, February, yeah, before they flower. Otherwise, you're there all day picking the flower buds off them as well (laughs) to do your cuttings.
4: Yeah. Well, thank you very much, and I'll go and shift it and hope that that some
0: bake will do it some good.
1: Thank
4: (laughs) you. Thank you. Bye.
1: Right, uh, we're now going to uh, Sonia, who's out in Broadmeadows. Good morning, Sonia. Uh,
3: Good morning. Good morning. Um, It's a little bit. Um, a question a a little bit not precisely about how to grow and propagate plants Um, but it was a matter that was discussed a couple of weeks ago when I was listening to the program and may I just stop to say how I really like the program even when I don't have a specific question Uh, what I like is it's something very positive with all the news that's going around how there's people out there taking care of plants and uh, the in environment, and um, looking at the way that they uh, see things other than themselves, and I find it really positive. Oh, thank you. Uh, now the, and now, the and with that in mind, I was listening a fortnight ago, and there was someone there was speaking against a matter that's of great concern personally to me, particularly now, and that was that the uh, the policies uh, of the present governments, uh, not not being political, but the policies, is that. Um, to do away with parklands and replace them with houses,
6: mm-hmm.
3: and um, there's uh, different groups were speaking on that time a couple of weeks ago before Easter. Yes, about different groups who are all taking up this issue separately. And we here in Broadmeadows at the moment have a particular one where our school site, which is the only open space for nearly between six to a thousand uh, how, uh, dwellings most of which are units, are going to be sold for more dwellings. Oh, Oh, dear. And um, we've got a big... But what we've come up against is the fact that it's the state government's directive to councils that is really driving it. So, therefore, it's not just our council um, as listening two weeks ago. It's all councils are under this umbrella of compulsion to follow high-density living um, uh, quotas that if they don't fulfil, councils will lose their planning authorities. So well, that
2: means we have to write to Richard Wynne because he's the minister. That,
3: exactly. So, w- w- what it is, I was just, if we could, because it's a gardening show, I see you as our guidance, yeah. as it were, and you're the protectors, and because you understand what the importance of open space and plants are. Absolutely. That it's not just a waste of area and it's not used and all that rubbish. Mm. And, um, the, and when the ridic- VCR could, uh, Garden Show, in a pro- some appropriate way, could discuss on the air that maybe we could have a call and those that have these could come together and uh, see what we could do. I
2: mm. think that, that's very true, Sonia. And the other thing that is so ridiculous is that the Melbourne City Council is busy trying to turn us into a, a city of forests because yeah. trees will cool, uh, with global warming, trees will cool the city down and make it more bearable. Mm, and yet right. at the same time, we're being totally undermined by... I mean, the the previous Liberal government wanted to build private flats in the middle of um, those high-rise flats in Fitzroy. And yes. that is such dense housing already that it's absolutely essential to have green space around it. Exactly. And all those children in high-rise, they need somewhere to run. And yes. And so you've got these different forces, political forces, running in different directions, although I have to say the dominant one, as you say, is to fill up um, open yes. space. And it seems it's, it's a little bit like when we we're in the middle of the drought and it was the horticultural industry that had to cut back on the use of water way before industry had to cut back on the use of water.
3: Yes.
2: And yes. we can't afford to lose our trees. Without no. our trees, we will just boil.
5: Mm. And a, also a, the pollution that's, that's in yeah. the atmosphere, you need to have... Like you, I don't know if people know this, but if the emissions that you put out from a motor vehicle, if you plant three Australian native plants, so not scavolas, but trees and shrubs, that actually does your part to get rid of the emissions out of the atmosphere. Yes. So, yeah, your pollution problem is going to be way higher as well with removing all these trees and parkland areas. So mm. if
3: you've got a unit, you've got nowhere to put them. Mm, exactly, And what That's they right. put in units... Yeah. Uh, little spiky things and <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh other uh, an attempt for a little patch of green grass uh, so it, it it's uh, you understand it we people understand it who are gardeners, and I really think as gardeners we've got a responsibility to take up the our spades and shovels if it were and start um uh networking, getting us together in some way. So Absolutely. I don't know what to do.
2: Well, I do think to get everybody to send emails to Richard Wynne is a good idea. Yes. I do think we should be pressuring. Uh, he's actually my member, and we should be pressurizing him because it's Definitely. ridiculous.
3: Well, uh, in our local area, we're We're asking for him to put a moratorium on his decision mm. to uh, sell this site in view of the fact that there's no other open space anywhere mm. And the fact also that it could be a school needed. Now, a school doesn't have to take up a whole a whole uh, open space. If it's well, creative, I mean, but also we,
2: we saw that happen with Kennett. He yes. sold all those schools off in Port yes. Melbourne and South Melbourne and now they're having to build high-rise schools because... That's right. It, it's changed, areas change. Areas go back to having children again, and you need the schools.
3: Yes, well, that's precisely what we've got in our area. It's mm. changed entirely. Mm. And and what what will happen, and what it made me absolutely couldn't believe it, was high rise schools where they'll obviously have. There's nowhere else for schools, so your children. Are, we've been told we've got to learn how to bring up children in units. And then you send them to a school, which would have to happen in this area eventually. Yes. Uh, and what do you have? Pictures of trees on on the thing. <laughs> you play bird music, <laughs> and you put a, a, a grass there, and 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 and. Uh, that, that's what we have to accept. Well, <laughs> that's not well, Sonia, keep, that's what they are doing. Keep yes.
2: fighting, Sonia, and get your friends in with yeah, you. Yeah,
3: but Ken, what can the garden show do for, for letting well, we, people we will, know? Look, I'm quite happy. If anyone... We'll talk about it after the show. And, but, yes, but you're please. also
2: helping by giving
1: us your opinion right here and now. Yes. Yeah.
3: But and we've, also got, we've got, got to get together. We're we isolated. Problem too. Yes, you're right. But we're isolated. And we need someone just to start us together, and then we could work from there. Anyway, if you could think about it, maybe people could listening could think about it because we do need to come
2: together. We do, so, we do Sonia. Thank you. Yes, we
3: totally agree. Thank, Thank you, for your call. Bye.
2: I've had a few things from the outside line. Okay. One, somebody wanted to know about this Grevillea Super Duper again. Now, the Grevillea is Super Duper S-O-O-P-A, D-O-O-P-A, and the difference between this and peaches and cream is it's a much smaller grevillea it's mm-hmm. it's a very like, compact yep yeah it's a similar it's a similar flower to peaches and cream it's really lovely but it's a small one whereas pe- my peaches and cream must be at least as oh, tall as they me. can get yeah. very mm-hmm. big yeah i
5: actually prefer the super duper flower to peaches and cream because of the contrast in it is right through the flower mm. and I wish you could see the contrast because the leaf tips are almost the colour of the pale orange that's in the grevillea. The contrast is just beautiful. It's uh, it's one of the biggest sellers out there. Peaches and cream's always been one of the biggest sellers with um, grevilleas, but I think this is going to
2: leave behind actually. But it's not. It's just beautiful. But it is but a it's small only plant. one.
5: Yeah, mm. my peaches and cream at home would be about two metres by two metres mm. tall. This yes. isn't going to do
2: that. No. No. Yep. So that was one of the right. questions. And then somebody else has rung in asking about her hop plants. She has lost these plants. Now, of course, we don't know whether she me- which hop plant she means. Cause
5: Grudenias I was talking about. Well, yes. Yes. yes.
2: So has she lost Grudenias or has she lost Dodonias?
5: Oh, oh okay. I don't know. Even Dodonias aren't temperamental. That they're, they're pretty hard. She to, says they yes. have
2: been watered and were very beautiful. Now, you can overwater these things.
5: Yeah, I don't know if you could over... Oh, you could overwater a gardenia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the flat ones, you could.
2: Yeah. Okay. So So that's... And, and then another person has rung in and wants to know what we think of bamboo mulch. I'm not sure. I haven't used bamboo mulch. I've never used bamboo mulch. Would i i I struggle I don't wonder like, about it breaking down. Mm, I don't like sugarcane mulch because I find that it tends to knit and it makes it hard for the water to get through. Mm.
5: The other thing too, when you're using if you want to keep your um ground cooler, you want to have large pieces of mulch because you've got air actually trapped in between those pieces versus having. Your sugar cane. Sugar cane does feed it back, but I've found too, if you put too much on, it actually stops the water getting into into the soil. Whereas if you're using, um, and it's only because I've been trialling different things at the moment, I actually prefer um, the bark, like when they've been cutting down the trees and I've got the free mulch um, and my soil temperatures have been anything up to about 13 degrees cooler by having, and I don't put much mulch. That's talking... Couple of inches mm. of mulch, um, but I was reading that it's better to use the bigger particles because when it does rain, the water can run in between that and slowly go into your soil. And because it's actually trapping the air in the spaces, it keeps it much more insulated.
2: Yeah, I personally like the pea straw, which does the yes. same thing. I mean, people don't like pea straw because it's not tidy. I like the pea straw because it it is actually fixing nitrogen back into the soil. Mm, and yeah. I, let, I let the little peas grow for a while um, because that is fixing nitrogen into the soil. But the pea straw, because it's um, quite long, you've got the same effect that Sue's talking about. The water yeah. can get through and the air can get through.
5: I can remember one day we are in Virginia's garden and it was really, really hot. And I'm looking at this plant thinking, oh, gee, it's not even wilting. And Virginia had the pea straw and I lifted it up and it was like there was an air conditioner. It was a real eye-opener, wasn't it, just mm. to see how cool that ground was under a right. piece of oil. It would have been 35 degrees in the sun that day. Right. And I'm thinking, her, my plants had wilted in this.
2: Yeah. And it was just from having the... Um, and, and this year, because we got rain so late, you know, we're still having rain in January, and so I was a bit slack in putting my mulch around because I wanted the rain to get in, yes. thinking, oh, this is wonderful, we've got rain. And the bits that I didn't mulch properly, that is where my my garden is struggling at the mm. moment. Okay. Because I just didn't do it.
5: Yeah. Even a light sprinkling, I've, I've only just fixed my mulcher and I had a little bit of uh, green. Even if you go and put um half an inch of mulch if you haven't got anything dried mm. out grass clippings or anything just to stop that sun getting onto the ground it will make a big difference and mm. until you've got time to actually put the mulch in mm.
2: yeah now another question coffee grounds how do we use them do you use coffee grounds in your garden no, compost. because I don't create
1: coffee grounds. <laughs> yeah.
5: You can put them into your compost. Tea.
1: Compost, though, yeah, I I'm definitely can, into the compost. The, yes. the,
5: the gritty um, substance of them is really good if you've got um, uh, soil that needs perking up, like it's, it's um, powdery soil, I found, and it's also you can put them, um, my friend around the corner's been getting Um, All the coffee shops in Mount Evelyn have been collecting all their coffee grinds and she uses them in her worm farms. Yes, yes. yes.
1: But the other thing is that they're also a deterrent for snails. Yes. In the same way you can put eggshells around but but they don't like coffee grounds
2: either. Yes, I use them for that. I've got... One plant which is covered in eggshells and coffee grounds yes. it well, you is, is so prone to being eaten by snails. But yes, I
5: put them directly into the ground in clumps because I did that and I changed all all my plants, died. I used to. Did you change we, the pH? Yes, what? I did. Yeah. Because I used outside the door because I couldn't be bothered to go to the compost <laughs> and did all the coffee grinds. Continually, and I did it too with. Um, you don't want to do it with potash out of your fireplace no, either. No, no. This is many years ago before I understood what that actually did to the soil. So it's better in a compost heap. Don't. You can put it in the garden, but don't continually put. Not in, not in, not in the same place. Yeah, not. no, also goes no. no. Needs to be spread sort of. thinly.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but if you've got a lot, I think. I mean, because I do the same. I collect coffee grounds from. Various coffee shops And I just throw them in the compost I think it's fantastic for the mm. compost Yeah, mm.
5: The other thing you can do if you're into making Cosmetics is coffee grinds Are actually really good as an exfoliant If you want to make your own scrubs And um, things like that For your face and your body um, My husband at one stage was making um, Glycerin soaps And incorporating the coffee grinds Into uh, the soap And it's another really good okay. way yeah, even if you get some sour cream um and coffee grinds together. it's, it's actually got lactic acid that's in sour cream. Um it uses poor does the same too. Um and it's really good as a face mask or you can put it into that and use it as an exfoliant with your coffee grinds. Okay. Works like oats, you yeah, know how yeah, yeah, oats yeah. in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. You weren't just,
1: expecting all of that.
5: <laughs> no, just, just ring Sue's box right Oh, dear,
1: that's wonderful. Okay. Um, we're going to go to uh, Anne in Oak Park. Good
4: morning, Anne.
0: Oh, good morning, panel. Uh, I'm very concerned because as far as I'm concerned, I think we're going to a bit of a drought at the moment. Now, my garden is suffering like a lot of other people's gardens. And because I've got a horrible hose a allows me fitting to the tap, I'm going to get rid of that. And I want to know if you can recommend a automatic or self-watering system that I can install. It's fairly easy to install and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg. I must admit I can't.
2: Um, I can't either. I th- I think... I mean, there are people out there that do these sort of things. I, I just water with my hose because I find that, and, and sprinkler, I use a sprinkler system when I've got water because I'm completely on water from the sky. I don't have any town water at all. I'm very careful with my water because it runs out. And I really, I mean, I just think you just need to buy a, a good, good strong things, you know, a good hose, good... Connections. Yes. I, I think when you buy cheap, you often buy nasty. Mm. That's right.
5: Yeah, I don't have a watering system either. It scares me a bit to do that. Plus, I'd, I'd miss what's happening in the garden, so I do it the hard way.
1: Mm. Well, I've got, a, I've got um, a system of micro, the little micro sprinklers, which I did install myself because... Um, I didn't have to dig anything. You just lay the, you know, the Mm. the the black piping on the surface, and um, you simply go along and you plan where your plants are, and 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 whether you want a a quarter of a circle, a half circle, a full circle, a sprinkled top, so you can totally. uh, gear it to to each individual plant That's in the garden and that just that just gives me backup because when you're on, on an acre you can't find hoses and I don't have taps at the bottom of my garden so I've got nothing to connect a hose and hoses aren't long enough to to yeah. do the garden yeah. so um, I've found that just just for some of the garden beds around the house I've um, I've managed to do that but that that doesn't involve any engineering skills at all. You simply buy the connection to go onto your tap, you you measure how long a well you can you can buy your, your hosing in you know, great long lengths and then just cut it to where it's but necessary, put a stopper in the end and then and then you go along and prick holes wherever you want them and, and and sort out, as I say, what what range of water you want coming onto whatever particular plants that they're going to be covering.
5: Where would you get that, Pam? Oh, sort of um, Bunnings or. Um,
1: yeah, nice? it's it's fairly readily available. I know Melbourne City Plati- Plastics um specialise in it, but yeah, I, I mean there's, you can you can get um all the little parts at Bunnings or um you know if you just look up micro watering systems, I think you'll find most of the hardwares will will have um
2: a range of of what's needed. Do you often find you have to go along and. and Unplug them, I mean, because they Only,
1: only, only at the start of summer because what happens is over winter, Winter, of course, I'm not running them at all and I find that um, for the individual s- little ones, the, the ants solution. will come up. Oh. No, mm. it's the ants. They'll come up and they'll, 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 you know, find a little home in there mm. um, which will block the fine spray but it's so easy. I just get a piece of fuse wire you, because... They they screw off so easily. It's so easy to unblock or replace. And as I say, I just take the the little sprinkler top off, um, run it under the tap in the kitchen with a little bit of fuse wire or you can blow through it and blow them out, unblocks it, put it straight back on and and you're cleared for the summer again. So um, I found that actually very easily. And it's something, you know, if if you have a friend you can work with, you can... One can hold one end and connect it to the tap. The other can help run it out till you work out where it's going to stop. And then you have, actually, it's quite a lot of fun designing where you're going to put. Um, you're given, you can, you can buy just a little, um, oh, it's a little prod. It's just, just, um, it's like a, a plastic skewer. You could probably use a skewer, but, but this just gives you the right size hole and you just simply push, that in wherever you want uh, to, to put, be able to put, put, put your sprinkler bit to put the sprinkler, and you can also choose the height you want the sprinkler. Whether you want it close to ground level, whether you want it up, um, you know, a foot high, because you just buy the little plastic what they call risers, mm. um, depending on the height uh, of what you're trying to water. But it's
8: um,
1: I, I I installed that. I did I did one garden bed per half day per, you know, it, it doesn't take long at all. It really doesn't. And and it's been my backup. I still, um, you know, I still run different types of sprinklers depending on, on where I am in the garden. But that has just meant that uh, for my long garden beds, I can just turn on a tap and they're off and away. That
5: would be good out my front, wouldn't
1: it? Yes, it would. It mm. would. It's great for long ba- garden beds. It really is. Yep. Yep. Okay, does that help, Anne? Yes, thank you. Okay, but you, I would recommend that you um, have a friend who can help you do it. But I'll it needs... have
0: to get myself a decent hose with good fittings.
1: Yeah, well, that's certainly a good way to go. Uh-huh. You don't want one that blows off, you know. No, Cheap fittings no. don't work. They're terrible. And,
2: Anne, somebody has rung in saying that Poyntons in Essendon uh, sells all the bits and pieces for micro-watering. Mm. I think you'll find most nurseries have got them. I know mm. Bunnings have got mm. quite a
1: selection, so. Mm. Okay. Thank you. Okay, bye. Right, we've got a few more callers to get through uh, before we run out of time. So we're going next to Liz, who's in Collingwood. Good morning, Liz.
0: Oh, good morning. Look, I just um, some solace for Sonia out in Broadmeadows. Sonia, there is a marvellous woman called Mary Dross. D-R-O-S-T. Mary has an order of the Medal of Australia for her work. Um, she's experienced um living in Jakarta, which went from three million to I think over fifteen million, and uh, you know, as a horror horror story for Melbourne. But Mary runs an organisation called Planning Backlash. And it's an umbrella organisation for groups not only throughout Melbourne but all over Victoria. And it's just wonderful. And people won't feel alone if they, look, you'll just have to use a search engine. And it's Mary Drost, D-R-O-S-T, and planning backlash. And they're most concerned about this loss of open space. Um, uh, Virginia talking about the hi- high rise in the hi- pump, what was Housing Commission over in Elgin Street you'll see all the infill there in all the open space That is shocking that
2: isn't it absolutely appalling
0: in Rathdown Street Mm. and they've nearly got rid of all the uh, public housing tenants and it's all private and there's no open space and of course there's just not a thought for birds or any of our creatures which we need yeah, to keep us alive. Yes, absolutely.
1: Good anyway, you, Liz. Mary, thank you.
0: Mary Drost will console you. you find her on the internet and yes. is planning back Planning back Well, that's
1: wonderful. Thank you for that information.
0: Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
1: And uh, next we're going to Elizabeth in East Doncaster. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good
6: morning. First of all, thank you for the program. I love it. Good. Um, my question is about: I already have the sugarcane mulch and I have used it, and I've noticed that it does seem to mat up. And I've used it at the beach with sandy soil, and I've already got it, so I've got to use it. Um, Keep and it I was in. wondering if I if I put um, something on first, what sort of fertiliser or what would you put on first before you put the sugarcane mulch on the...
2: I think the main thing is just to keep it thin. Yes. So don't have it too thick and also disturb it. You know, yes. rake it or whatever occasionally, depending how much area you're covering. Yes. But I think the problem is you've got, if it's a bit too thick, it will mat and yes. that's your yes. problem. I've noticed that. So disturb it mm. and keep it thin. Okay. Thank and I mean it wouldn't do any that. harm if to 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 mix through um some uh, sheep or cow menu. you know how you can buy some of those garages mm. will sell three for 15 or whatever mm. yes and if you mix those through i think that would both help keep it thin and encourage the worms to get into the sugar cane which yes. is what you will, will need mix it yeah. through before i put mm. it on mm. yes
6: yes another,
5: another product too is, um i use is called organic extra which is like a palletizer and it's an organic like dynamic lifter oh that's
8: good um if,
5: I, I, I will put that down when i put mulch or sometimes if i don't do that even just some blood and bone around the area before you yes. put the mulch down helps or um, after it doesn't doesn't matter because blood Mm. and bone will go through that i just uh, had
7: the idea i
6: looked at it and thought it's silly to put it on so i held off and i was glad you were talking about it Mm. this morning Mm. anyway thank you very much because you've probably got lots of other callers that's
1: fine that's fine okay thank you bye
2: i've got one thing that i thought i might mention um stephen and i uh President and Secretary of an organisation called Plant Trust, which is the Garden Plants Conservation Association. And we, once a year or once every two years, sometimes we have a, a weekend away, which okay. we're, we're doing um, on the 28th and 29th. So I suddenly went blank there. On the 28th and 29th of April, we're going to Camperdown, we're going to stay overnight in Camperdown, go to the Botanic Gardens, and go and see three private gardens as well. So if anybody is interested in coming with us ring Plant Trust tomorrow on 96505639 The Plant Trust is based at the Botanic Gardens and there's always someone in the, in the office on Mondays so that's 96505639 if you think a weekend away on the 28th and 29th of April will be fun. Stephen, of course, won't be there because he and Pam are going off to France, but the rest of us will be there.
1: <laughs> okay. Sue, so we've just got time to talk about one more plant before we have to finish up.
5: Um, well, actually, I'll talk about this Scovola. I brought in the Scovola, which is a native fan flower is another name people might know them as. Um, the one I brought in is called Scovola Fairy Pink. Um, There are quite a few different colours and forms of um, scabolas out there, but what I've actually been doing with them, because I don't have the areas to put them into the garden, I've been using them in hanging baskets. And they're actually a really great plant to have in a hanging basket because they flower for so long. Mm. Um, and they actually look really good So they're not looking straggly You've got your your plant up in your hanging basket And then it's growing downwards um, The other one I really love that's available out At um, most nurseries is called Blue Ribbon And that has a lovely little A scavola. Uh, yes, yes It's a very fine little fan flower It's the one I've got sitting I have uh, plants everywhere <laughs> Actually, inside, outside, <laughs> um, on the outside table, I've got one ah, just yes. in a really nice yes. pot because mm. it it's flowering all the time there. Um, and there's a lot of plants out there. If you don't have um, spots in the garden to put, um, it's really nice to have some pots around your house and round your hanging but ba- have some hanging baskets.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, you, I mean, originally um, I always thought of Scavola's as being that beautiful blue. blue um, but that pink is really lovely,
5: isn't it? Yes, you can get this actually it's from Mula. Um I had one at one stage there, even though it grows straggly, it was beautiful, that was yellow. Okay. Um, and it's really lovely. You can get them in dark purple, light purple, white, blues. Also, a lot of different forms. You can get upright forms of, um, scavolas mm. and also flat, uh, forms. Remember the beautiful blue one I'm getting? Sapphire Sky. Yes, yes. An upright one. Um, for people that have been into Cranbourne Botanical Gardens, they have that upright, uh, scavola there and it's, um, cornflower blue, lime green leaves grows into an upright habit of about 50 centimetres tall, absolutely
8: beautiful mm. plants. And
2: they need to be in sun, do they not, Sue? They do. Mm. They do. I
5: I haven't successfully grown scavolas in. Look, if you had shade for a couple of hours a day, you could. I don't have full sun underneath my where I have them in a hanging basket, and they do quite well. But
2: they must need four or five hours sun. Yes, yes,
5: yeah. yep. Mm. And I, I put them into, look, I think that'd probably be okay, even not in a native potting mix, but I don't tend to put um, Australian natives into just normal mm. potting mix. Mm. Yeah. And
1: uh, I think scovolas, um actually do quite well um, uh, with coastal conditions too. Yes, they would. They mm. would, yeah. We, we should also explain the why, why they're nicknamed a, a fanflower, is because they're a half flower, if you like, mm-hmm. because it looks like someone's come along and cut all the petals off one half of the
5: flower. Yep. So it is actually in the in the shape of a lady's fan. That's right. There's actually one out there that has, that's um, available at the moment. You might see it's a lady in a kimono. It's purple. Ah, yes. And okay. holding up the fan. Yes, right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure which one that is, but, on, but I thought <laughs> that was a great idea of. Mm Uh, yeah a plant tag it's quite big well labels have
2: just got so fancy haven't they they do (laughs) but you know
5: i think that they're um a great idea when we did the labels for the couriers um because you're looking at people they're not always in flower the writing that's on the top of the tags if it's lime pink or whatever is in the same color as what the flower is i'm trying to to get people's attention to yes. to the colour of, yes. of what this is. Great. And, um, it is a good, I- good idea to have a great... A plant tag will sell a plant. That's my opinion mm. if you put a good tag on it. Mm. Especially even talking about Super Duper, it attracts you just by looking at the beautiful colour that's on the tag. Exactly. Mm.
1: We have run out of time for yet another week. I have to say a big thank you to Virginia and Sue for... Uh, for this morning and also a huge thank you to Louise and Carol who've been handling all the phones. Um, We will, of course, be back again next week. You have been listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're back again at uh, 7.30 next Sunday morning. Until then, bye for now.
2: You've been listening to a 3CR
5: podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.